Welcome to another episode of Terrell Paranormal Talk, where we discuss all things supernatural, weird, and unexplained. Join us for discussions on UFOs, ghost stories, paranormal investigations, strange monster sightings, psychic skills, and places of high strangeness. We hope you enjoy today's show. Hey, my name is Dayton, and I'm here with Lead Investigator and Case Manager. Hi, this is Mary Jo. We're going to talk to you guys about the first kind of experience that we had with any type of malevolent or scary energy. Yes, we had quite an experience early on in the team's history. We have a family friend who had witnessed a dark entity around her house. She's a bit sensitive herself. She's an empath. One evening as she walked into her living area, her cat sitting on the floor in the living room turned and suddenly went on alert. And as the resident looked up, she saw a tall, slender, dark mass that was actually bending over some lattice that was around the patio looking into Mm -hmm. the dining room window. And as you can imagine, that's pretty scary. She actually described it as being very, very tall. At a later occasion, she had an outbuilding in the rear of the property, and as she was leaving that one evening, she saw what she believed to be the same figure stride across the other side of the yard and duck down behind a barn. The figure was tall, slim, no face, uh, long arms, long legs, and it was so tall that it ducked. It ducked to hide behind this uh, barn. It was yeah. bigger than a utility building. Yeah, and she had two exterior buildings outside of her house. She used the, the one that she was in, she calls it her studio. And that's what she was in whenever she saw the figure stride across. Yes. Uh, duck mm-hmm. behind this barn type building. It became so frightening and unsettling for her that she stopped working in her studio. She just completely left it alone and stopped mm-hmm. going out there. We made arrangements with her to bring the team down and bring our equipment. We brought a young lady with us, a practicing medium. Well, always when we would take a medium with us on investigation, we would just kind of show up and say, get in the car, we're going, and she would not know where. She would not know any of the uh, circumstances surrounding the investigation or the supposed haunting. She would just go in cold, and then we'd have her go in first. And we just had someone with the camera follow her and pick up on what she was saying. And more times than not, she's picking up on things that we either already knew or mm-hmm. that we didn't know, but makes a lot of sense to the things that we've heard. Yeah, yeah she, she would just literally read the property. After she did her walkthrough and, quote, read the house, she drew a sketch of the entity that she was getting a reading on there on that property. Well, it was a very abbreviated sketch, Yeah. (laughs) but the substance was still there, and it was very much as the resident had reported it appearing to be, and also as she had sketched herself. And as she was sketching it, keep in mind, she did not see the other sketch at all. This is just what she saw Mm -hmm. personally. As she was sketching it, she kept saying, very tall, black, no face. After the medium did the walkthrough and and walked through the property outside, we set up and took photographs. We uh, we set video cameras up around the yard. I took still photos around the yard. 
around the house, the outbuildings, and also inside the house. We did get somewhat of an anomaly in those photographs. One set of photographs that I took was just a uh, storage space between the barn and a utility building, probably three feet wide at the most, and there was no light. This was still in the late afternoon, early evening, so it, it wasn't completely dark yet, but there was no light being cast in that space. And in the set of photographs, we saw a shadow or a dark mass moving between three of those shots. That's something we look for, moving shadows. And we found it. So then we went on in. The team and the resident sat down inside to do an EVP session. We did that for a while. At that time, with the equipment that we had, we don't necessarily hear voices or sounds yeah. doing we, it. Usually all the EVP evidence is gotten after the fact whenever mm -hmm. we go to look over it. We had a new piece of equipment, an SB07 called a spirit box. The SB07 basically scans radio channels at a high rate of speed and the theory is that the spirits can use that energy generated by the radio frequency to manifest and to speak. And usually when you hear a voice or a spirit speak out on that box, it's kind of a mechanical sound. But you can still hear a variety sometimes in the voices. Mm -hmm. I know when I called and, and ordered this box from a business that specializes in ghost hunting equipment, he cautioned me not to use it in my home. He gave us a warning. I remember you telling <laughs> us about that. Hey, I don't know what your intentions are, but all I'm saying is this stuff can sometimes stir stuff up. Mm -hmm. Think of a Ouija right. board. I don't know if he said exactly that, but a lot of people say that about Ouija boards. There is apparently an opportunity, open a portal, a malevolent energy especially, to come through and, and hang out with you. We were probably careless in our use of the spirit box that evening. We have been trained to tell people when using a Ouija board, which we do not use, by the way, in our investigations or in our research, that they must be sure to close any portal they've opened or demand that any energy that had come to witness for them through the, that use, that they go away, they do not stay there. And we did not do that with our spirit box. So we believe that could be source problems we had <laughs> it could be later on and during that investigation. Because this is the, the moral to our story. So as we sat around the room and talked to the spirit box and listened for responses, we began getting different voices saying Amy. Amy is the name of the medium that was working with us that night. On multiple occasions, the voice would say, Amy, in Amy. A, yeah, in a different voice every time. It said, especially in the course, we actually talked about this, that mm -hmm. demons or malevolent energies can disguise themselves as different people or different things in order to persuade you to let them take over, pretty much. Mm -hmm. We believe that this could be an attempt from the energy to appear in a way that appealed to Amy. So that's why I was saying it. And at one voices. point, it sounded like a woman's voice, and Amy was reading what she thought was the spirit of an older lady present. Then the voice would sound like a man, but it always sounded welcoming. It never sounded gruff or dark. 
Okay, so at this point, two of us had actually split up with the rest mm-hmm. of the team to go outside and went into the shed, or mm-hmm. the studio, the as studio. she calls it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had walkie-talkies, and Brenda and Dayton would say that they were seeing shadows or that they were hearing noises around the walls of the building. One point, I think you said you were seeing shadows moving in the top of a extremely tall sycamore tree. The consensus was that the energy was resident in this huge sycamore tree, and it was situated between the back door of the house and the studio. It was huge. Well, the two members outside in the studio with an audio recorder and hearing noises, seeing what they thought were shadows moving around at the back of the house, I stepped to the back door to just, I don't know, look out and had partially opened the uh, the storm door. Brenda and, and Dayton in the studio felt like they were seeing shadows moving across the back wall of a house. And on the walkie-talkie, she began warning me to get back in and close the door, that there were shadows moving and that I should go in, and which I did. And so as we were continuing in the house with the spirit box, it was very vocal, continuing to say, yeah. Amy, in different voices. While we were seeing the shadows outside yes. like stuff all sorts of stuff going on outside the house uh-huh, uh-huh. while they're trying to get in contact with amy so right. we think it was pretty stirred up at this point point. and at one point amy the medium said to us it wants us to go outside so we turned the box off and those of us that were in the house went out the two investigators in the studio joined us amy who was not acting like herself at all that evening because we were familiar with it. She had worked with us a lot. And she she was a friend for a little while. Knew her personality. Uh, quite honestly, I don't think any of us were acting quite like ourselves. Except Dayton. I think Dayton, he, we've already described him as being the coolest head on the team. And he was pretty grounded. <laughs> the rest of us were running amok. <laughs> I didn't notice Dayton anything different. I noticed you guys were definitely acting differently. but. <laughs> so when we got outside... Amy reached for a broom that was leaning against the back wall of the house on the patio and started hitting the trunk of the tree with it, telling us that we needed to beat the tree to make the energy leave. And she offered the broom to the resident and told her that she needed to do it. So the lady did a couple of times, but she was hesitant about it, and she said, I really I really don't want to... And destroy her broom. Her, her broom her was broom. bent by the end of the night. <laughs> we, yes, yeah. the broom handle was bent. It actually was. But after Amy gave it a few more hits pretty hard, the, the handle was bent. It didn't break, it just no, bent. Yeah. But it, it was so unlike her, and we were all ugalizing and kind of chickens running around with our heads cut off. We were yeah, sort of it was very disorganized, very disorganized. Now that I think about it, that night it was just we felt like we were just out hunting ghosts, like just <laughs> out screwing around trying to find a ghost or a demon. When in reality, most of the time when we do investigations, they're very organized. Oh. Everyone's doing their part, doing one. At this point, it was just everyone doing whatever they wanted. And the idea of uh, taking a broom or something to to a spirit and beating it has never never come up before. No, <laughs> that's been a first. I can promise. But as you study, you will realize this is a characteristic of malevolent energies. They get under your skin, they get in your mind, they get in your head, they manipulate you. They can make you act differently, think differently, 
you've got to protect yourself against them. And, and that was something we had not stressed enough as we began an investigation. The recommendation from experienced investigators is that you pull a layer of protection around you. You visualize a white light around you or you use whatever technique personal to you to invoke protection, whether it be a charm, a cross, a prayer. You need to do those things before we go into an investigation. We had an idea going into this that this was a large, dark mass, and we just did not take enough precaution and take yeah. it seriously enough that it would might be stronger than we are. And we did even have a conversation before we accepted the investigation. Do you guys think we're up for this? Because this seems pretty serious, and we all agreed. And yeah, it was a lot more serious than I. Well, it, it was a family friend too, though, yeah. and she was very distraught. It was not in her nature to be uneasy or afraid to go out her back door at night. So Dayton, you know, you were a witness to all this. This was about a 45-minute drive from our home, so just tell me a little bit about the drive home. The thing about the drive home is all I really noticed was people getting irritated <laughs> with each other and everyone seemed to be upset at something. And I was tired. I was falling asleep. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember everyone just going at each other's throats for no reason. And it was definitely unlike us, especially after an investigation. We're usually all tired and chilled out and stuff. We were having a lot of disagreement about what should or should not have been done or what did or did not happen and what we should do going forward and how we were going to review all this and uh, just a lot of a lot of quibbling that we, well, we just didn't do as a team. I agree. Fast forward a few days. We recognized that this energy was messing with us. We sat down and we talked about it, and in retrospect, we could see really what it had been doing. Discussed, you know, the methods that we could use to prevent that from happening again. Our subsequent research on the property revealed that just up the road was the property and a tree where the last soldier was hanged, and this was the last uh, execution of the Civil War. We believe that may have even occurred when the uh, truce or the peace had already been made, but the word had not gotten to that Union encampment yet. There was that energy, and also Indian. Our medium, whenever she was out there, uh, earlier before we started the investigation, said that along the fence, uh, mm -hmm. along her backyard, were a bunch of people watching inside. And I believe she said they looked like they were Indian, and they were mm -hmm. just all lined up across the fence looking inside the property. Yes, and she would also walk to the, the fence that uh, separated the backyard from the front yard at the side of the house, and she said that this entity would go to that fence separating the front and the back, but it would not go across it into the front yard. There was a lot of Indian activity in that area. A later interview that we did for a potential investigation in that area came across that as well, that there was in a lot of Indian activity previously in that area, and, and we think that was part of the going-ons that was happening in, in that property owner's house. One aspect of this haunting by this entity to this lady has always bothered me a little bit. For a time in the 90s, there was a scientific facility being constructed called the Super Collider. The construction of that involved the digging of a circular tunnel that pretty much encompassed that county. The headquarters were not far from this lady's house in town. 
However, when the construction began on that superconducting collider, this family was living in a rural area and the tunnel was coming directly under their property. It was an old farmhouse and there was a well on that property not far from the back door of their house. Of course, it was no longer in use, but it was still an open well. Periodically, as the construction and the digging out of this tunnel was going on, the workers would come out and drop instruments down in that well, down to the bottom where the tunnel was, and take readings. With her abilities and her sensitivity to spirits, I have always been of the feeling that something may have attached themselves to her then. The property they were living on at the time of this investigation was really just a stone's throw away from the original land. I've always felt there was something going on because of the closeness that she had with that open tunnel. When we began studying to be investigators, we were mentored by a group of experienced investigators. And when this resident first told us about seeing this creature going across her backyard and ducking behind the barn, we referred her to that gentleman. He was also a UFO investigator with MUFON. He suggested to her that it was probably a dimensional shift and it would probably never happen again. He said it was probably similar to an occasion when she would run into a celebrity on the street, totally unexpected, and someone that you would not normally run into, and this would probably not occur again. <laughs> but then, when she and the cat observed this dark figure bending over, peering in the dining room window <laughs> without a face, that brought it to a different level. We're usually, after an investigation, you know, busting out the gate, wanting to sit down and listen to our audio and review the photographs, and we were all dragging our feet on this. There was just a bad taste in our mouth. We didn't feel excited about it. Just probably didn't really want to relive that uh, discord because we were kind of ended up at each other's throats that night. Except for the gentleman here. (laughs) (laughs) So in reviewing, I reviewed the photographs first and we identified the shadow that was moving. Then the audio, it was really very distressing. There was an EVP that we believed said, go outside, or one that said later, look in the tree. But Dayton and Brenda were outside in the studio and watching out the window, and and they seemed to be seeing shadows. So when we all went out, Brenda said, look in the tree. There appeared to be shadows moving, you know, in the top of the tree. The tree was not blowing, the wind wasn't blowing, it was still. The same stationary street lamps were on and everything. Yeah, and it was a very quiet night too. The shadows appeared to be moving around inside the large sycamore tree and jumping and moving from the tree in the neighbor's backyard to this large sycamore tree. After we got a grip and sat down uh, and reviewed the audio, we came to agreement on what we all heard or did not hear, and that's something that we do with an investigative review. We all have to agree on an EVP, on what it said or did not say. We have to come to an agreement or we don't use it. We did not get any information from the video camera that was running all night with our light on it, from the game camera, 
the Connect, none of those things gave us any any data. Just the audio that we had uh, recording the spirit box and a few EVPs. It was a few weeks later that we contacted the homeowner and Brenda and I went down and met her at a restaurant. We just did not want to, to meet at her house, play these EVPs, and discuss this. But we did show her the evidence and she was accepting of it and of course she had lived through it and did not doubt anything. However, this lady had some experience and had done some studying and this is what she did. She and her husband cut four copper pipes and hammered them into the ground at each corner of the studio. She then took sea salt poured that into each of the pipes. Then they capped them off. She saged her studio and her house. She burned white candles. She did much of the ceremonies that you read about. After that, she began using her studio again. Although she did put window coverings on all of those windows that had uh, previously been uncovered because they looked upon land at the back of her property, and she did not have her coverings on them uh, previously, but she immediately covered all of those windows. When we went down the night that I saw that she had actually taped newspaper over the studio windows, I knew that she was very upset. But reports are that things are quiet there now. She's comfortable using the studio. This is a lady who is very well studied. She's an artist. She's an empath. She has a good feel for what is going on around other people. On occasion, she does see spirits. She indicated to us at the time of the reveal that she could almost say when that dark spirit came into her house. She had a young family member who was kind of living on the skids and she came to visit. She felt like this dark energy walked in the door with her but did not walk out with her. So that is, that's one theory. She's not someone that would use Ouija boards and then we go in and we use an SB07 spirit box sure. in her house. So in effect, we opened up door and left it open. I would say just always take things seriously like that, especially being as scared as she was because you might leave the situation, but the person that's living there will not. So that is actually only our second malevolent energy experience, I believe, that we've had. We uh, were able to recover from it. It was hard, but I think we became closer as a team because of it. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, from Terrell Paranormal, it's a great day to talk to the dead. We would love to hear what you have to say about this episode. If you have questions, if you have comments, you have stories you want to share about this episode or really any other episode, just visit our site page. You will see in the show notes where you can submit your thoughts or you can submit your thoughts on Facebook in the comment section. I would like to read from the text of A Fault in Our Stars. I believe in the souls of man, and I believe in the conservation of those souls. Give some love by subscribing to our podcast to make sure you get your weekly paranormal fix. We are delighted that you have joined us today. There's plenty more stories and interviews to come. Remember, it is all good.